0: People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Priscilla.
1: This smells like houses in the Hampton Champagne out in Brazil. Smells like anything you
0: think could happen, probably will. Explore the new Glade Fresh collection today. Hi, it's Anna. You probably know what show you're listening to. And the show will officially start in just a second but I felt like it was especially important this week to do a real official trigger warning. Kind of life is a trigger right now for a lot of people, but this show especially, we're going to talk about the Blasey Ford testimony and we're going to talk a lot about sexual assault. So if you're not up for that, you should wait for another time. And if you need to talk to someone, there are people ready to listen. The Rape Abuse Incest National Network has a sexual assault hotline. That you can call anytime. its 800 is 80-656-HOPE. And also you can go online for anonymous chat, and that is online.rain with Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, the show where we talk about the differences between us without letting them divide us. My guest this week is our frequent collaborator, Rick Wilson. If you don't know who he is, you are new to the show, but I will go ahead and and fill you in. He is a former GOP operative turned never Trump stalwart, turned New York Times bestselling author, turned human being. Rick is funny and smart and coarse, and our conversation today is unlike any one we've ever had before. As I'm recording this, it is Thursday, September 27th, and a lot of people's worlds have changed. Rick's certainly did. You can hear about it coming right up. Hi, Rick.
1: It's so strange to be in the studio with you.
0: It is strange, and it's also really strange because both of us have our devices... At Ready Access. because I just threw
1: mine on the floor. Oh,
0: thank you. I, I'm honored. But we should explain we're taping this podcast even as the Kavanaugh-Blasey um, Ford hearing is happening.
1: We, we were both just trying to catch up on the Twitter stream of all the craziness from today before the, before the tape rolled.
0: Right. So we're going to try to talk about this because it is the most important story of the moment. Um, I mean, besides the gradual and not so gradual degradation of democracy. Um, yeah, just that. But I, I just heard you talk about this. But I think it's it, some of what you said is is worth repeating for this audience because the interview you just did was with the Daily Standard, the Weekly Standards podcast. I don't know if there's a lot of overlap, so I feel mm. feel like this will be fresh. Um, just first reactions.
1: Disaster. I mean, and I and I, I take that. I take that as just at from the 30,000-foot view of how does it look to Americans and Republicans have convinced themselves that she was going to come out there and be this shrill George Soros hack Democratic operative. And you know what? She came out today, and unless she's the most accomplished actress I've ever seen in a congressional hearing, that woman went through something that has marked her for 35 years, and it hurts, and she's scared to death. And, I, and you and I talked about this a minute ago, my email and my phone, I'm being flooded with stories from women that I had no clue. Friends, associates, people in campaigns I worked with years ago, reaching out and saying, this happened to me and I didn't say anything. And it hurts to this day. And you could see her pain was right there on the surface. And the, if Republicans want to try to make this into, she's a hack Democrat conspiracy operative and blah, 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 they're going to pay a, god-awful price for this.
0: I think the 30,000-foot you know, view is a good one to take since we're taping on Thursday and and more things have yet to unfold. Because I think what you're describing about hearing from your, your friends and about their experiences, that is the watershed moment happening right now. I, I think you and I agree, actually, that Kavanaugh is probably going to be confirmed. I, I would bet, Most, if I had to bet money, he, I, I would say he's going to confirm. So this is not this moment is not about derailing Kavanaugh. I think what's happening now is different than what happened with Anita Hill, in part because the culture has changed, in part because of Me Too. But there are women, literally, calling C-SPAN. Yeah. To talk about yeah attempted rape.
1: I think the 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 outcome they thought they were going to have from these hearings was they would bring this woman up here. They would have this prosecutor question her. She would collapse. It would look, it would look like a put-up job and a scam and all this stuff and a con job, as the president was saying. And instead, it's catalyzed something in the society right now. Because, look, let's just hypothesize for one second. Let's just argue for one second. Let's say just a hypothesis. She's completely making it up. Guess what? There are still millions and millions and millions of women in this country who have been sexually assaulted. And anybody who's okay minimizing that or trivializing that is a piece of shit. And if if the Republicans don't handle this properly today, I think that this they may get him on the court to their to their regret.
0: There are two interesting things to me about what you're saying about Republicans here. And one of them is something I think you you and I might have touched on in the past, which is the extent to which Republicans' failures have to do with buying their own bullshit. Mm. This idea of the George Soros plants and right. paid protesters and whatnot—I've right. seen this in people, um, not necessarily my friends who are conservative, but I've, but people who I you know know that they they genuinely believe that some of this is a put-on job. Yeah, and so they're unprepared for the amount of resistance they get. For instance, ACA repeal was part of that. We've they, talked
1: about that a yeah. lot. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: do you think that they, do you think that there are like people who appear to be sane and rational Republicans who had convinced themselves that this was a put on job?
1: Well, here's one thing that, you know, here's a dirty little secret. The, the, the whole structure of of promoting judges and the Republican side, the conservative side, the Federalist Society and CRC and all these other groups and the Judicial Crisis Network, all these other groups that have been built over the years. I've hell, done work for some of these people uh, in the past. Um, we built our own AstroTurf system for these things. And so when you build something like that, you begin to think everybody else does that too. It's like the Cold War. You know, We were convinced that the Russians were doing the things we were doing, and they were convinced that we were doing the things they were doing because we both thought the worst of the other team. And, and maybe rightly so some of the time, but, but often that led us into these blind alleys where we were pursuing policies that were counterproductive to our own interests. So I think in some ways, there's also been a kind of uh, magical thinking on Republicans' part that all these changes in the culture, gay marriage, marijuana – you know, all gay adoption, all the, you know, women in the workplace. Yeah. All these things that are changing in society, they feel like they have to blame it on some particular super powerful malicious force from the top down. So it's always George Soros or it's always Tom Steyer. It's always, it can only be the evil puppet master. whereas they are the feisty independents who just want to do their, you know, when they're being, their buttons are being pushed just as effectively.
0: Right. And the other thing that strikes me about what you're saying Is more to do with men in general than Republican men, but this idea that I mentioned the women calling C-SPAN, but let's think of all the women who aren't calling C-SPAN, like the texts and emails you're getting. Mm -hmm. You and I have been together all morning, so I'm guessing you haven't heard from your friends on the Hill. Not yet. But do you think this is happening?
1: I suspect these guys are getting – I suspect their offices right now are being flooded with stories from their constituents. And I suspect that they are, that they are being told by by McConnell, hold the fort. We're going to plow through this. And right now, their aides and their staffers are looking at their email inboxes and looking at their phone logs and going, "Wow," because this is and 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 just in, when we were coming over here, I was looking through some social media stuff, and it's overwhelming Facebook and Twitter right now of women telling these stories. We were and men actually. In. I
0: should add men too. Yes,
1: and Ian Dale um, on CNN today came out with a story of childhood sexual abuse. And he says, "I now, I'm now's the time," and it's 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 horrifying that this is an underlying problem in our society, and it probably spans way past politics that we we could possibly ever address politically. But if we don't think it's real. Then it requires people to believe that everyone telling these stories right now is making them up for partisan reasons, and I think if we believe that as as uh, if if people believe that as Republicans, they have to check their priors because something has gone way off the rails for their mental processes if they think that sexual assault, uh, you know, and again, the fact that the that the details of this event with her and Kavanaugh are thirty five years old now does not mean that this that this debate we're having hasn't catalyzed a moment of truth and pain for millions of Americans, women and men.
0: Yeah. I think another thing I'm kind of hearing from you it has to do with this idea that, of seeing in your enemy um, what you're doing. Since we have AstroTurf, they must have AstroTurf. You and I have talked a lot about what you've learned and what's changed for you since you came over to the to the other side. I won't say dark side. Uh, And what I see in you and in some of the other never Trump uh, Republicans out there is the dawning upon them. That the assumption of bad faith was incorrect. That. There's a lot of Republican rhetoric. And it's some Democratic rhetoric, too, but I do I do honestly think that it has it was very much a part of the conservative story that all Democrats are lying all the time. They always have an ulterior agenda. The social justice thing is just a way to get power. And it never it seemed to never occur to people that there was real pain around some of the issues that that progressives have have cared about.
1: I don't disagree with that entirely. I mean, look, the, the bad faith on both sides, Things both sides have engaged in Look, No, no Republican I've ever talked to wanted to throw Grammy, grandma off the cliff. Okay? So both sides have played these games. But with Republicans, it's become a reflection of this cultural inferiority complex that drives the whole party these days, which Trump very brilliantly triggered and very brilliantly exploited. And it's this idea that that all these institutions are against us. All these things in society are against us. Well, maybe those things are in society for a reason. Maybe maybe institutions and societies built up certain behaviors and protocols and beliefs and structures for a reason because they work. I mean, conservatives used to believe that that we wanted the market and society to solve problems and institutions to solve problems, not government. Well, now this fetishizing of executive power and fetishizing of the Supreme Court, has become this hallmark of the GOP right now where it's all our all our wishes will come true if we can socially engineer ourselves you know our desired outcomes on the court if we just put enough justices on there we can overcome gay marriage and the 19th amendment and all these other bullshit things that we hate and blah 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 and you know I look at that as just as pathetic as the as the as the counterpart if if liberals would say, you know, we want to have our Supreme Court so we can do the following, you know, social engineering that we want. I just uh, but this uh, this cultural inferiority complex is driving that bad faith argument all the time. And it's and, and it's really it, it's it's increasingly seems to me now that I'm sort of on this new journey of mine. It's just mostly sad now. I, I find it really sad that people don't have the courage of their convictions uh, to, to go out and really have the fight. They'd rather blame some externality. They'd rather blame immigrants or gay people or, or you know, billionaires. And I always say to Republicans, I'm like, so George Soros has been doing this for 50 years. He's been spending his money <laughs> for 50 years. He's the evil, wicked socialist mastermind who's going to destroy us all. Well, if after 50 years and several billion dollars, he's obviously not very goddamn good at it, is he?
0: When I saw you um, speak with Charlie Sykes just a little bit ago, um, you were talking about, with just as much passion um, that you express here, um, the women you were hearing from, this outpouring of, of experience and testimony, and how bad that would be for Republicans. And Charlie, bless his heart, said something about, but this isn't about collective guilt. That's something that you hear a lot sure. from conservatives who are critiquing this process or who even maybe believe you know, Christine Blasey Ford, but still it shouldn't shouldn't matter to it shouldn't be a judgment on men and i want to point out to you that you seem to understand no it's not about collective guilt but there is a system here there is a system that kept people quiet about this
1: look i think that there is a
0: and not a top-down system. Like let's let's let's. I think maybe that's perfect. That, failure. Yeah, well, that's where I was going. There's think, not like a there's not a person in charge right, silencing women. There's not, a, there's
1: not a wiring diagram right. that says we're going to suppress this. In the, but as women entered the workplace in the last twenty five years, in 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 majority numbers now, um, there was often a overhang in the business world, particularly. That, oh, they're problematic or they're going to complain or they're going to do this or that. And so a lot of women basically wrapped this stuff up, kept it inside. A lot of the women I'm hearing from, these are things from their late high school or college years where they were terrified to tell their parents. I am struck by something very resonant about this. I'm going to have a little history here. I went to college in D.C. in the early 80s. This is in the Brett Kavanaugh window. So I'm at GW in the early 80s. And the behavior among privileged shits like me, um, you know, we were masters of the universe. We were at great schools. We were having a blast every day. The parties were wild. The drinking was heavy. There were things like this that I heard about all the time. And... And I'm not holding myself out as some, you know, uh, singular angel or anything. I, uh, I, um, I I heard plenty of fraternity stories of trains and all these things at that in that era. And if people think that that just didn't go on just because he was a good guy or a good dude, um, you know, the, the the climate around these things was absolutely there in that world in Washington in the eighties. It was it was it was you know it's that last big hurrah before people realized aids was a thing and and that era was was pretty pretty dark i think for a lot of girls in school
0: and what i would say to that is it's not just the 80s
1: yeah well
0: and what you're describing in just the 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 blink of an eye of early 80s washington my friend, that's patriarchy. Mm. Wow. Well. And that's the system. And that is what actually why I part of me is like just burning with hope because I, what I hear from you is what I hear is the, is the awakening of someone who's like, oh, shit. There is this bad thing that's been happening for a long time. And there will be a reckoning. And the reckoning is not necessarily in one blow. And when I say system, that's the system. It's patriarchy. It's not one person saying, don't say this. It's all these women hearing over and over and over. If you do say something, it'll mark you for life. And even more, I think, common is the women for whom they see the stuff and they hear about it. Yeah. And the message that's communicated to us by that is primarily, I see you as a body. And I see you as a collection of holes and boobs.
1: I think there was a culture of indulgence um, that was very prevalent from the 70s through probably about five or six years ago. And I don't know why I don't know why I marked it five or six years ago, but I think something changed. Maybe maybe the last economic crash or something. But that culture of indulgence, where college is this time where you go tear shit up. Um, and there's you know, pretty consequence-free life, and 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 the lack in a lot of cases for guys of of sufficient male role models who weren't, you know, look. And I'm, again, I'm not being some like prissy whatever.
0: I would never accuse you of being I,
1: prissy. I I, I, yeah. I had a I had a blast in college. I had a great time, but. F- Maybe it's the role modeling I had for my dad, but the thought of like, uh, engaging in sexual violence was repulsive as shit to me. And the thought of covering it up is equally repulsive. So I'm, I'm, this is a really tricky point in our society because a lot of men are, are shit fathers and I, I've worked really hard not to be one, um, And, you know, you're not going to get these lessons. Guys are not going to get these lessons um, anywhere else. They're not going to get them online. They're not, you know, there's, there's infinite amount of porn online. And there's a very little role modeling of good male behavior online.
0: I'm glad that you bring up what men are learning. Because I think that's another watershed moment here. Is it's not just women coming forward and not just men coming forward too, but... It is seeing some people model a way that you treat someone who's testifying this way. We're seeing a a counterexample on the Hill, and we are seeing a lot of examples I'm seeing in my personal life, I'm seeing on social media, of men who are doing something that I think is one of the hardest things for a straight white guy to do, which is listen. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and be right back. This episode is brought to you by Ubiome. Your gut feeling can tell you a lot. But can your gut also tell you what might be causing your IBS symptoms, like discomfort or bloating? Your gut is home to trillions of microbes that affect your health in countless ways, including digestion and mood and your ability to fight illness. Ubiome makes understanding it simple with Smart Gut, a quick and easy at-home test that screens for microbes associated with IBS, IBD, prediabetes, and other chronic conditions. Your smart gut test results can help you and your healthcare provider understand how your gut microbes may be affecting other aspects of your health, such as cardiovascular conditions and kidney stones. Sampling is quick and easy. It takes less than three minutes, and you can do it at home. Smart gut is reimbursed by most healthcare insurance and must be ordered by a healthcare provider. But you can request your smart gut test today. Just go to ubiome.com dot com slash friends. That's Ubiome spelled U-B-I-O-M-E dot com slash friends. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Journalist Mehdi Hassan is known around the world for his televised takedowns of presidents and prime ministers. He hosts Upfront on Al Jazeera and is a columnist for The Intercept. And in his new podcast, Deconstructed, Mehdi unpacks a game changing news event of the week while challenging the conventional wisdom. In a tight, 30-minute package, a little quicker than what we do here. He starts his show with his take on one topic and what the mainstream news is getting wrong or what context is being missed. And then he goes into a deep analysis and conversation with his guest or guests of the week. And get this, his guests have included Judd Apatow, Bernie Sanders, and Hassan Minhaj. So he kind of covers the gamut, I would say, in terms of who you might be expecting. Um, it's everyone from comedians to, politicians to for instance, Stefan Clark's fiance. So, you're going to hear from a lot of different people. And the show has covered such topics as the violence in Gaza from the perspective of Israeli activists against the occupation and, of course, police shootings, as through the eyes of the fiance of Stefan Clark. Also, he's talked about the dangers of John Bolton with former diplomats. As a Brit and a Muslim and immigrant based in Donald Trump's Washington, D.C., Midi Hassan gives a refreshingly provocative perspective on the ups and downs of American and global politics. Deconstructed is a show that cuts through political drivel and media misinformation to give you a straight take on one big news story of the week. It is out every Friday, just like this pod. You can listen and subscribe at TheIntercept.com slash Deconstructed or on any podcast platform i want to get back to collective guilt and reckoning though because i mean i can nitpick you about whether or not this is about indulgence whether or not it was about college i mean whatever i think it's patriarchy and pervasive everywhere don't argue with me about that just now because i want to get back to the political okay. problem here which is that yes like the the micro tools of politics are not helpful necessarily in creating a solution mm. We but we use the tools that we have. Sure. Two questions, and we'll just do the bad news first, I guess. Which is, what do you think is going to happen rolling out of this? I, we both again. We both think Kavanaugh is probably going to be probably nominated. I hope that that is out of date by the time we.
1: we you, who, knows you, what's you, happened, who are listening who, to this? Who knows what's happened since we started this interview?
0: But let's look a little bit longer term. Look. Uh, what's going to happen to Republicans?
1: There will be both more and less than people think. Okay already women were drifting away from the GOP educated women in particular they had, they had we've we've been seeing it since 2012 or 2016 those those educated women are exactly the profile of people I'm talking to right now and hearing from they're educated they're professionals they're successful in their fields and they range from you know elected officials to judges to campaign consultants to operatives to reporters those people are lost and i think they were lost beginning with trump but this behavior on the uh, the the image right now there's a picture right now of mitchell the the questioner they hired as their proxy sitting in front of them with a look on her face interrogating Dr. Ford, and this long line of cranky looking dudes, all 50 plus, maybe sass. Uh,
0: right. Ted Cruz, believe it or not, is 47 years old. Get the fuck
1: out. <laughs> I'm 55 this year. He looks older than me. Good Lord.
0: Well, I want to do a Ted, Ted Cruz segment, but let's move on yeah. for now.
1: But I think, I think in the short term, the die is already cast for yeah. where women are in the in the 18 election. This may reinforce it. This may bump Democratic turnout a little higher. Um,
0: Push back just a bit on that, which mm-hmm. is, of course, this is what people said about Trump winning. And he did win 51 sure. percent of uh, white women. Uh, I think that you what you're saying is true, and it is different in part because it is that row of, of senators. Some of whom are not Trumpist. None of, I mean, Cruz is the only really Trumpy one up there. there. So I think what is happening now is that it's going to, it's, it, this is becoming clear that this opinion about women is not just something you can say is the pussy grabber's fault.
1: Well, I think the fact that, again, we fetishize the Supreme court so much that they're willing to go through this dance because they're afraid of the base if they, they're afraid to be seen by the base as not being completely all in on winning the court. And, they're, and, and here's the irony. Let's say Brett Kavanaugh today chokes on a pretzel and dies on the stand, okay? Tomorrow, there are 10 other conservatives waiting in the stack that could be confirmed. So all the damage they're taking right now and... The argument is he's a good man being falsely maligned and he's this and this and this. In the rational, cold ass world of politics, at some point you cut your losses, but there is no desire to cut losses They're They're going to try to burn it to the ground. Um,
0: Can you explain that to me? I'm sorry to like interrupt you usually, but like uh, I'm so used to being the person interrupted by a white guy. Um, What the fuck? Like, why didn't they cut in? Because this—that's one of the craziest things to me about this. Whatever's happening is that as soon, number one, that he was the he was nominated at all because he's like as contra Trump, he's not the most qualified. He's he was kind of an add-on, kind of a postscript. And then as soon as there started to be problems, they could have cut bait. Why did why dig in on this? It's a, it's because of Trump. It's because yeah, the, it's, these be, people it's are, because
1: of the Trump attitude: never defend, always attack. Fuck you. Come back twice as hard.
0: Aren't these senators smarter than that? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. And and the other thing is, Mitch McConnell's legacy right. is going to be two justices. Right. That's that and, and Mitch McConnell's Mitch McConnell is a cold-blooded political player. Now, McConnell's people in the last few days have just creaked the door open and whispered, well, there were many other qualified candidates, and he was the president's choice. We respected that. But so I think they may be, you know, they want to leave the door open. And again, the whole thing today, as I talked about earlier today, Dr. Ford's testimony, unless she is the most magnificent actress I've ever seen, was heartrending. It was horrible. And that testimony is going to play today on every cable news show, it's going to play on every nightly news show, it's going to be on all the morning shows tomorrow. It's going to be the story. And Donald Trump is a creature of television. And if he sees this in the Donald Trumpian frame of a reality TV show where she gives something that is emotionally wrenching and people out there in the world see it and hear it and feel feel it and are moved by it and are catalyzed into talking about their own experiences. And if Brett Kavanaugh doesn't come out there and do something equally emotionally resonant, there's a good chance the president could just go, done. Yeah. Which would be which would surprise his base?
0: It would surprise his base. You're right. I think that's totally in character. The man has no, no loyalty. loyalty. Um, and then I have two questions about moving forward. So your your answer about what's going to happen for Republicans was kind of like, well, they've already lost this chunk of the electorate. So you know, uh, not not maybe maybe not much. Maybe this will turn out. Turnout will be affected. Whatever. Um, do you think there's going to be Trump is not going to be self-reflective about this. <laughs> we know that. That's not a, I would just. just
1: yeah, I, not even like, in the realm of right. possibility.
0: But, you know, I know some of these senators, not super well, but I've had conversations with them. And if not then, they're staffs. And they're not, they're not smart, but they're not idiots. Sure. Are there conversations happening now among Republican operatives and politicians that are like, oh, shit, we misjudged this moment? Like we need to do something. Are people um, thinking about that?
1: Yeah. The, Did you the, just
0: check? You just checked your phone. Is that hopefully someone saying like help?
1: No, ma- this was a this make was, me woke. This no. No, well, this was a this was a, a friend of mine is a staffer um, with one of the members on the committee, and he said this is bad, really bad. This is bad, really bad.
0: Is it is, is so? Kev- I think uh, Kavanaugh I, testifying now. But now? I don't know if Kavanaugh's <laughs> on deck yet or yeah, not. But right. I think
1: that I think that that the questioning of Dr. Ford.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, here's the other thing.
0: So and, what is that guy going to do? That's in my question. Like so, sometimes people just put their hand on the hot stove and leave it there, and it sizzles and burns, and they try to convince themselves. Knowing, knowing
1: the person that just texted me, he will go to his boss and say, "This is bad, really bad." Uh huh. And I don't know what his boss's reaction to that is going to be, but but. You know, these guys are going to be flooded today. They're going to be getting they Right, phone right. You messages. said they're going to, yeah. get, they're, they're going to hear so, from
0: their constituents. They're going to hear from their family. Yeah. Which I think is actually one of the most amazing things that's happening right now. And like Chris, one of the
1: things you'll hear, one of the things that's going to happen is some, some U.S. senator, his wife is going to say, honey, I got to talk to you about something. Or daughter. Or daughter. Yeah. Or sister. And, you know, the the irony of every politician. And, you know, I've made hundreds of ads for these guys over the years. The irony of every politician is you look at their ad, they're always the bold independent. They're always the strong person. They're always the person who's going to stand up for what's right. And these chicken shit pussies have another woman out there asking questions. And you know what? I'm sorry. If you want to go and burn her down, if you want to play the hardball, hardball politics, okay? Because, look, we played hardball on Merrick Garland. And you don't expect that they're going to play hardball on the other side. Sure, you do. But what you don't expect in this stupid kabuki dance of our politics is that a woman's going to come out there and open herself up. And again, I I don't have a time machine. I wasn't in the room. I don't know that it was Brett Kavanaugh in that room with her. All I know is her account. And all I know is, as a cynical political hack watching television, her account came across... And her account's going to come across to the millions of Americans who are getting introduced to this today. They're not nerds like us. They're going to see some pain, and they're going to see how how difficult this whole thing was, and how painful it was. And and I just think that they're. I think they're to, the the guys in that committee are going to look. They're going to look back on this and think we should have never ever done this. We should have pulled the plug.
0: Right. Hindsight's, but but,
1: hindsight's perfect. But
0: I'm curious about the the example that you were sort of starting down the road, which is there's going to be a senator whose wife or daughter or sister comes and says, I don't know what happened to her, but let me tell you what happened yeah. to me. What do you think politicians in that position do? You're you're having you're kind of having that experience, like really right now. Like I feel like I'm seeing you kind of go through something. You are. Like this is affecting you. What do you think is, happening? is it happening to Republican men, like, across the country? And I say Republican, but maybe I just mean men.
1: I, I think a lot of guys right now. Yeah. I think that Mitch McConnell's power over their lives is beyond what you can even begin to understand. Oh. And the reality is most politicians aren't brave. They aren't courageous. They aren't independent. Both parties, by the way. Yeah. There's a person drawn into politics who's needy for affection and approval and for affirmation. You're the tallest, handsomest, smartest man in the room, sir. And they hate actual confrontation. They hate actual moments where they're tested. They want to find a a way to weasel out. And this was a weasel move today of the highest order. Putting a woman out there to question her was I mean, as a manhood test, if you're if you're a real leader, you're, if you're a real leader who absolutely believes she's a
0: let's go not let's not go like gender norms here. Let's just say real leader.
1: Okay, if you're a real leader, <laughs> I use that advisedly in this yeah. particular case because of the irony. Yeah. But if you're a real leader and you believe she's a lying Soros plant, why don't you go up there and knock the living shit out of her, tough guy? Why don't you go up there and really take it to her, big man? Well, they won't because they're a bunch of pussies and they're afraid. Of hearing what they heard today.
0: So what I hear is, as far as senators hearing, you know, Republican senators hearing from their wives or daughters mm-hmm. or sisters, um, they're going to listen to Mitch McConnell more. Yep, uh, which is horrible to think about. But there's multiple generations, and I'm here. I am going to stick with Republicans because I think it's you know it's Republicans who have set themselves up as like the non-social justice warrior you know, who kind of align themselves with a, a certain way of talking about sexual harassment. And it, I don't want to say like people who ever, like, I, I really want to be careful. Like, I don't, you've, you personally, um, no Republican I am friends with has ever been like, and everyone who, who talks about sexual assault is lying. There's never been that. But it's always been, there's been a party line between who holds themselves up as allies,
1: I think that there's a real danger here to say that every person who comes out against their nominee is lying automatically and that it's all politically motivated. Right. I think there's an enormous, I mean, look, to put the moral hazard aside, which is a gigantic moral hazard.
0: Right.
1: It's culturally dumb. It's politically dumb. And, and this, this, this idea now that my party or what's left of it, or whatever the hell, whatever the hell I am now, the idea that these people will now always pick the dumbest damn thing to do, and the wrongest thing to do, and the worst thing to do. This is like all of it wrapped up in a nutshell right now. And again, I I don't have a time machine. I don't know, I don't know how to judge the the what happened in that room.
0: Let's. I, but, I actually want to. What I want to focus on is actually not her testimony. Yeah. It's the testimony that's pouring out. To yeah. people like you, in private text messages. Right, that's what
1: I'm saying. That the catalyst, right. the catalyst of what she started here, yes. is so vast in scope. I'm having trouble processing it. I, I mean, it's it, it's it's.
0: I can see that.
1: Yeah, and and would I want this to happen to my daughter or my wife or my friends? No, it's horrifying.
0: And the thing I want to dig in on. As hard as this is to talk about, is what do you think is going to change?
1: Well, I think the division of women from the GOP is going to exacerbate. I think it's going to be harder and harder to recruit women candidates. Um, I think you're giving an,
0: me a political answer, but I know this is affecting you personally. Yeah. So what is gonna ch- do you think this is happening to other men and they're kind of have to rethink like what they thought normal was?
1: Yeah, yeah because I think there's a comfortable belief that it's statistically abnormal. Sexual violence was statistically abnormal, but I think there may be a recognition that it may be, Far too normal.
0: It's one in four women, one in six men. Yeah,
1: you know, six one in six is eighteen percent. That's mm-hmm. the roll of a die. Mm-hmm. And I knew a couple guys growing up that were molested by a priest um, who was at our school, and I knew about it even when we were when we were young, and and they, that was when it was not even as likely to be exposed as it is now, but. And I've known of girls and women that I've known who've been sexually assaulted over time, but what this is breaking loose is bigger than that. And maybe, maybe part of it is this like frictionless society we're in now in terms of communicating a message and getting your story out. But it's also maybe a cultural, maybe maybe this this broke some sort of cultural logjam. And I, I I don't I haven't quite processed it all through yet. I haven't quite thought it all through. Like. What does it mean past this week? What does it mean past this month? But these stories are now out there.
0: One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing your teeth. And yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. I like Quip because it looks cool. Uh, It is a modern looking toothbrush. Like you didn't know that toothbrushes could look modern, but they can. Uh, And also it guides your brushing. Um, I tend to zone out while I'm brushing my teeth. So it could be two minutes or 30 minutes sometimes. But Quip does this thing where once you've brushed like for one side for 30 seconds, it buzzes and tells you to move on. So it's good. And also there are uh, timed refills for your Quip, so you don't have to worry about buying new toothbrushes on the schedule that uh, your dentist recommends. And the Quip toothbrush features sensitive sonic vibrations. I have sensitive teeth. Um, I'm not supposed to push very hard, so the vibrations actually do the work instead of pushing. They're gentle enough to use on sensitive gums. Like I said, that's what mine are. It also has that two-minute built-in timer to remind you to switch sides, and it doesn't require a clunky charger and runs for three months on one charge. And since three out of four of us use bristles that are old and worn out, like I said, they deliver a new brush to you every three months for just $5. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. It has thousands of verified five-star reviews. That's why I love Quip. And they are, like I said, backed by dentist professionals, over 20,000 of them. It starts at just $25. You can go to getquip.com slash friends right now, and you will get your first refill pack for free. Again, that's getquip.com slash friends for your first refill pack for free, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash friends. I am right now, and I am not kidding, wearing a jacket that I got in a Stitch Fix box. It is uh, kind of this cool olive drab, like, um, I can't remember what they call them, like hunting jackets, sort of. Um, It's What I like about it, it's kind of got a slim cut, so it's not bulky like most kind of rain jackets you might wear. And I may not have picked it out myself. And that is why I do enjoy getting stitch fixes every month um, because I tend to buy, I don't know if this is something that everyone does. I tend to buy the same things over and over and over. Like I decide I like something and then it catches my eye again and again and again. My friends give me a hard time. I have like 20 different Sailor Stripe uh, shirts, you know, like the white and navy um, ones that that are very Audrey Hepburn. But for some reason I buy them. Like I have literally kind of 10 of them. Um and Stitch Fix just doesn't do that. You know, Stitch Fix gets me out of my ruts, my various ruts. And if you don't know what Stitch Fix is, well, I, I guess I have to tell you, it is a online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessory to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. You can go to stitchfix.com friends and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. And you'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick items to send right to you. And then you try them on. You only pay for what you love and you return the rest. Shipping and exchanges and returns are free. There is no subscription required. You can sign up and get scheduled shipments, which is what I like to do because it's kind of a nice surprise. Uh, Well, I mean, I signed up for it, so it's not a surprise exactly, but it's a little treat. It's a treat for me in the middle of the month. Or you can just get a fix when you need it. Uh, Going on a trip, I've done that. Um, Special occasion, job interviews, that kind of thing. And their styling fee is only $20, and it's also applied towards anything you keep from your shipment. So get started now at stitchfix.com friends. You will get an extra 25% off if you keep all five items from your first box. Again, that's stitchfix.com friends to get started today. stitchfix.com slash friends. One thing I want to say to you, and I, I'm hopeful this is something that Again, I am so sad to draw party lines about this. And it's not just different cats and Republicans. It's a lot of men. I shared with you that my own, like my husband, it wasn't completely woke on this issue. Right. And is having kind of a moment today. What I want to share with you and what I want you to know is true is that there's sort of a flip side of how normal this is. Which is that I hope you stop using the word victim about Mm. people who go through this because something you said yourself about the women you're hearing from professional Mm -hmm. accomplished haven't told you about it you would never have guessed it yeah that's who experiences it it's not about whatever your image was of someone who's experienced sexual violence you were wrong
1: You know, I think that if I, like, inventory my own perceptions of it, and you would ask me three days ago and said, hey, Rick, what's the stereotypical victim of sexual abuse? I would have said uh, economically disadvantaged, lower middle class, you know, in a relationship with abusive unemployed husbands or boyfriends, blah, blah. I would have given you a fairly stereotypical answer. And, and And I haven't had... In these discussions and outreach that I've been having, I'm, I'm on this one text chain with a couple of professionals in Florida, re, men and women, r- Republican activists, who are talking about this right now. And I'm, uh, and I can assure you, the the people that victim, well, there I go again. The people that assaulted them um, also were at good schools, mm-hmm. from good families, and nice boys, and
0: who also went off to be accomplished. Some of them might even run for office.
1: I can I can assure you of that. Yeah. And look, you know what? The, the the one of the ironies here was that Republicans used to say, oh, well, we're not the party of licentious, pussy grabbing, skirt chasing Ted Kennedy, Chris Dodd, Gary Hart, Bill, Bill Clinton.
0: Clinton. <laughs> you know. And look,
1: All those men, yeah. by the way, are reprehensible at pieces of shit when it comes to the way they treated women. Yeah. They don't get excuses or a pass from me, but that doesn't mean that I make that I that I say, oh, it, it was a partisan driver for their behavior. You know, those guys were, by and large, you know, Bill Clinton was a privileged person after he got out of out of Arkansas because he went to Oxford and he went to you know, yeah, all this other stuff. So, you know, these people, and again, I I'm, I I went back to that '80s cultural moment because, and that, that to me that was relevant in Ray Kavanaugh, because we're the same age. And it was that same moment in that culture. And there were, you know, Georgetown was pretty lit up. And I just, I, I remembered that element of it, which was, you know, all guys like me.
0: Yeah. And it is literally like, I see, like you are having to process this like in front of me. So I'm not going to expect that either of us are going to get to answers of any yeah. kind. But what I want to offer to you is, is again, the thing that I, is as amazing to me as the women and men, and men, definitely men, because I've seen it coming forward to talk about their experience, is the fact that men like you are, are, are listening more than you're talking. And I I, as a friend, I know how difficult. And I, I'm making a joke, but also I know. I know. honest to God, I've seen you be quiet today mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't in the past. And that is how we move forward.
1: I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that what the solution, uh, I mean, this is a, this is a, Far more intractable problem than we can probably resolve in the next You few and minutes. I could
0: probably do it, but, you eh, know. Yeah, you know,
1: we were busy with our other projects right. and you know, right. side gigs. But I mean, anyway, yeah. Um, I, I need to go back and sort of like look at how I was raised because there's some, whatever whatever the, like, sexual violence or sexual exploitation thing, I didn't get that gene or I didn't get that, that life lesson in the wrong way. And, And I just, I wonder what insufficiency in these people's moral landscape or their psychological landscape is addressed by doing that. And how do you, and how do you address that as a dad um, or as a, or as a, or as a mom or as a a teacher or as a, a leader in some way? And how do you, how do you, how do you do that? And I look, and I'm not. And I don't come at that from like a from like a soft left wingy social justice. Although
0: that would be okay. If social
1: you did. well, I soft <laughs> social justice cliche kind of way. I come at it as, and I, I guess this is I'm sort of doing this on the fly, but it's like sexual violence and predation of any form is counterindicated if you want to have a strong society and strong families, and if you want to have a strong country. And if you want to have strong relationships between men and women, it's like the expectation that that can be tolerated and modified or, or mollified in some way. You know, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to fix this problem on the fly.
0: Well, Rick, let me point out one problem that with what your logic is there, which is that do you think America has ever had a—you you think there's been a time in our past where we've had a strong society, right?
1: Well, look, I think because. We, We've We've
0: always had sexual violence. Yeah, of course. And it's always been as prevalent as it is today. And what I think... Oh,
1: I think it was probably much more prevalent. Right. And so
0: what needs to change, if I could just change your framework a little bit from figuring out how to get guys to not do it to listening to women about how it happens.
1: Well, sure. I think... That's going
0: to be... that is has to be the first thing on your agenda. Because I think some of your assumptions about who does this and, like, how it happens might be incorrect because I'll tell you one thing that hasn't, that I was sort of getting talked about about Kavanaugh and, and I just need to point out, which is that I think there are many more men when it, when it looked like it was just him that had done it like just this one time. Mm-hmm. I think there are many more men who might have one bad experience that they think of as a mistake that they think of as going over the line that they think of as that one time they did something bad. Then there are like, you know, like Bill Clinton Um. Oh, I, I there are, God, I there are so. millions of men who have just done one thing that they probably regret, they don't think about very much, and they maybe think they're lucky stars that it didn't turn out too bad. But whoever was on the other side of that one time changed her life, sure. most likely her. Sure. And so I think you need to stop thinking about like, how do we make men better? And start thinking about how do you put women in a position where it matters what happens to them because the number one thing that the message that women get out of all of this, the what I message that I got when it happened to me, is that what happened to you doesn't matter because this guy got this guy is going to have his career, is going to do whatever he needs to do, and it and it just who you are, what your experience is is not important. It's not important.
1: Well, I think this week may have started that as a bigger social function than we have previously seen, yeah I think, like I said, I still think uh, if if people don't understand that she's catalyzed something bigger than this than this hearing or this case they're I think they're mistaken. I think we've seen something, and look, it's been bubbling up, mm-hmm. And it's been bubbling up with you know Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and all these other people. You know, outside the political space, it became visible, um, you know, very, very meaningfully, I think, with Weinstein, et cetera, where these men in positions of enormous power leveraged it. But it's the it's the one mistake guys or the few mistake guys, I think, that are gonna have a broader the story will be brought more broadly spread. And I think it will be the the fact that women, you know, they don't see themselves as actresses being chased around by Harvey Weinstein, but they do see themselves as that girl in a house in Bethesda.
0: It happened that one time. Rick, I always feel privileged to be able to talk to you. And I just want to thank you for not holding anything back in a way that you never hold anything back. But today I just want to thank you for, for you know, going through what what's happening in real time with me.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Anna.
0: And we'll have you back and uh, we'll see.
1: We'll see.
0: We'll see what there is to talk about.
1: It's going to get loose. Right. It's going to get weird. Uh, I think the next, between now and election day, I think we can expect the amplitude and frequency of of this kind of wrenching experience to rise.
0: Well, hopefully, um, you know, we're not able to, Hold hands in this studio.
1: No. I could I could reach my I could almost reach your toe. Virtual hug. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for coming.
0: All right. (sighs) Thank you, Rick. You bet. And that's it for the show. This will be in the show notes, but I'll say it again now, which is if you have ever experienced sexual violence, it is never too late to tell someone your experience. Matters and RAIN, the Rape Abuse Incest National Network and the National Sexual Assault Hotline can help. You can go to online.rainwithtwoins.org for an anonymous chat, or you can call the hotline at 800 656 HOPE. And whatever you do, whoever you are, this week especially, Be kind, because you never know what the people around you are going through. And as always, be kind to yourself. See you next week.